All right, well, I feel like I'm supposed to preach a little bit. So you can, you can grab notes if you want. You can text the phone number on the screen, or you can use the giant QR code and grab my notes. This morning, as I was praying, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about the way of Jesus' repentance. Repentance. And so I, I want to talk about repentance this morning. And so what, what is repentance? It's a pretty, probably most of us think it's a fairly basic concept. Most of us probably have, a, have an understanding of what repentance is. But I want to kind of challenge this this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Matthew 3, verse 1. Matthew 3, verse 1. Yeah, Lord, just keep getting Josh. Come on. Jesus. There is more. Now in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet. This is Isaiah chapter 43, if you're looking for context. When he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So this is John the Baptist. He is the precursor, of course, to Jesus. His job was solely to prepare the way of the Lord, right? He was to prepare the way of the Lord. And what was John's life message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was John's life message. He's quoting Isaiah 43 there. And I love how it says to make his path straight. What John the Baptist is saying is repentance makes your path straight. It's changing paths. He's saying this is the way to prepare for Jesus. It's to repent. Make your path straight. Turn from this path and turn to make your path straight towards him. And then I want you to, to, to look at Matthew 4, 17, the very next chapter. So we have John the Baptist in Matthew 3. Then we have Matthew 4, where Jesus begins his ministry. And I love Matthew 4 for a number of reasons. One, Jesus started his ministry actually being tempted by Satan in the desert, right? And it's this beautiful way to start your ministry, right? But it is. Because it was this moment where it was like Jesus is having to go through this testing in order for there to be refinement. And Jesus says, thus says the Lord, right? And he declares the word of God. And then we have Jesus. It says in my Bible here, Jesus begins his ministry is literally the headline. And in verse 17, I want you to see what was Jesus' message that he started his ministry with. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sound familiar? It's just a chapter later. It's Jesus picking up the baton that John the Baptist had already started and saying, hey, this is not just John's message. This is my message. 
repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But what does repent mean? Because I think sometimes we, we get this thing, you know, we, we picture the amazing preacher on the side of the road in downtown with a sign that says, repent. And sometimes we need a shaking to say, repent. But I think sometimes we view it as like, oh, it's just like really, like, what is that? It feels a little strong sometimes, doesn't it? But listen to this. The main word for repent that is used 26 times in 24 verses is the Greek word met on eho. Can you say met on eho? Brilliant. It means this, to undergo a change in frame of mind and feeling to repent. To make a change of principle and practice to turn. So repentance is this, it's changing your mind. It is turning and undergoing a change. It's making a decision to turn towards something and away from something else. So you're not just turning away, you're turning to something else. See, this is critical about repentance. Sometimes repentance gets looked at as just repent of everything bad that you have going on in your life. Just say, okay, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And we leave it there. And then we wonder why there's not change. You want to know why there's not change? Because we're just repenting from something and not to someone. See, you don't just repent from something. Okay, all this stuff, I'm just going to, okay, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. No, 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 you can't leave it there because then you might turn back to the same thing or you might turn back to other things that still don't satisfy so repentance is less about me saying, oh, I'm just going to get away from this. It's actually more about me saying, no, I'm going to turn to Jesus. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to turn to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can actually fill that void. And I want to say this too, because I think it's important. There's a difference between repentance and confession. Both are important. Both are biblical. Right? James 5.16. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed, right? So confession is important. Confess your sins one to another. So we are to confess things to another so we can start the healing process. But here's the problem is sometimes we stop at confession and we don't get repentance. And there's a big difference because I can confess my sin one to another and not change. I can confess something that's going on in my life. Oh, I'm struggling with this, Wesley. And I can get it out in the open, and that gets it out into the light, and that's great. It, be, it usually begins the healing process, but if we stop at confession, we don't get heart change. Confession is professing something openly. It is essentially saying, I did this, I messed up right? But then repentance is this. Here's the problem and how I am going to fix it. I'm turning away from that thing, and thus the fruit of true repentance will be a difference in choices. Confession by itself will not lead to changed behavior. True repentance is realizing I must have Jesus. So we confess, but we have to repent 
And I think many times when, I, when, I, when I've struggled with stuff, one of the things that I've done is I've confessed and actually felt like I was good now. Okay, I got that out in the open. I'm okay now. Everything's fine. I'm good. And what I missed as I walked with my walk with the Lord, what I've missed was repentance. I missed true repentance. I confessed and then I was like, okay, I got that off my chest. All right, whew, I'm okay, I'm okay. Instead of approaching the Lord saying, Lord, I confess this, this is what I did, but I'm not just gonna confess it, Lord. I, I, I repent and I turn away from that thing, not just to turn to something else, but I turn directly to you, Jesus, and I give this thing to you. See, it's confession and repentance, and the two flow together, but just confession without repentance will not bring lasting change. Oh, and by the way, the enemy doesn't have authority over you. There's a misconception sometimes in the church. We give the enemy more authority than he has. The enemy only has the authority that you give to him through agreement. So many times we're agreeing with things. We're making declarations over our life. We're saying things. We're agreeing with things. And we're like, oh, look at everything the enemy is doing. And God's like, no, the enemy's not actually doing anything. You got to focus on me and realize the enemy doesn't have authority over your life. What if instead of making it all about that, we said, Jesus lights my path. And instead, we stepped into agreement with what God is doing, and we stopped giving the enemy this large baton. And I feel like this is a reason why true repentance is so critical. Because the enemy loves to lie to you. The enemy loves to say, hey, you've done this big thing. You can't recover from that. Sorry. He loves to lie to you and say, Jesus won't accept you after that mistake. And what we do when the enemy plants that seed, if we listen to it, we begin to agree with it. We begin to give him authority to actually dictate our life due to a mistake we made. And instead, Jesus says, all you have to do is repent. And by the way, repentance is just looking at me. So just turn, look at me, and don't let the enemy talk you into living out a mistake that God's like, I don't care about that mistake. What I care about is your heart. And what I care about is you coming to me with clean hands and a pure heart like Justin talked about and just saying, Jesus, here, purify my heart. Repentance is beautiful because it doesn't matter what you are repenting from. What matters is who you are repenting to. Oh, Jesus. So confession acknowledges the door. Okay, here's the door. Here's the thing. And repentance says this. I'm going to shut that door. I'm not just going to leave the door open for the enemy to come in and for me to take a turn over here through repentance we put jesus in that door and jesus says i'm gonna shut that door because that's not who you are so the main point this morning (laughs) is repentance is more about what you turn towards than what you are turning away from 
I want you to look at Mark 1. If you have your Bible, Mark 1. Mark gives a little bit more context. I love the Gospels, and you can't just read one, read them all. Because they all give you some different context sometimes that's important. So Mark 1 here is literally, this is what Jesus, we just read in Matthew, but Mark gives us a little bit more meat. Just a notch more context. And it says this in verse 14. It says, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And here it is. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and what? Believe in the gospel. Oh, that's it. So Mark adds this extra detail that's actually hugely important. You don't just repent for the kingdom of God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You repent and believe in the gospel. So you look at Jesus. You don't have to figure out how to change. How am I going to turn? How am I going to do this? You repent and believe in the gospel that changes you. We're looking at a lot of scripture this morning. Luke 15 Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm making you guys turn from gospel to gospel. It's good. Luke 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. By the way, let's just take that sentence. The tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus, would you make this a place where the tax collectors and the sinners can come and they can encounter Jesus? And both the Pharisees and the scribes begin to complain. I love this. They're complaining. This man receives sinners and eats with them. It's very clear the Pharisees don't get it. They don't get it. And so Jesus told them this parable. Jesus often taught in parables. And he says this, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and he's lost just one of them, does not leave the other ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. Listen to verse 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Jesus is preaching fire. I love the parable of the lost sheep. I love what Jesus is saying here. And he directly tells the Pharisees, hey, look, you can be righteous. You can have all the knowledge of the law. You can have all of that you want. What really matters is repentance. Notice the word righteous. You can be a righteous person, but not a repentant person. Jesus values righteousness, but you want to know what he values more? A humble heart that says, I don't have it all together, and I can't do it on my own, therefore I need Jesus. This is why I love Psalm 51. Don't you love the Psalms? So Psalm 51 is one of my favorite psalms. And one of the reasons why is because it's the psalm where Nathan the prophet, 
comes to David right after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. Can you imagine what this psalm reads? It's great. You need to read it. It's David pouring out his heart like, oh, I just did this horrible thing, Lord. He's pouring out his heart. And I want you to catch this. Verse 16, I'm going to read it. Psalm 51. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. Listen to this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. What does that speak of? Humility. That word contrite, do you know what it means in the Hebrew? It means this. To crouch. A broken and contrite spirit. He will not deny What's the point? The NLT makes it really clear. The New Living Translation says this, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. David, in the midst of the most difficult place in his life, knows that it's not about sacrifices. It's not about all this other stuff that, that we were doing, that, that they were doing back in that time because David was a precursor to the new covenant because David understood what it is, is repentance, a heart of humility crouching down before the Lord saying, oh, I just messed up, but I have to turn to you. And it's looking at Jesus through the place of repentance, Paul talks about how knowledge puffs up, but love edifies in 1 Corinthians 8. So listen to this. What Jesus is saying in Luke 15 is this. It doesn't actually matter how many good works you have if you aren't repentant. The Pharisees and Sadducees possessed a wealth of knowledge. They knew so much about God. But what results from knowledge puffing up in 1 Corinthians is pride. And we know from Proverbs that pride cometh before a fall. So they had pride. So the pride led them to a place where their heart was hard. You're wondering why the Pharisees' heart was hard. It's because they were so full of the law. They were so full of knowledge that even when Jesus is standing right in front of them and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here, they're like, oh, we're, we're all righteous, we're good. Because they're missing it. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Jesus is saying it is better to be one who knows they are a sinner than one who believes they are righteous and therefore won't turn to me through a heart of repentance. Repentance is us recognizing we can't do it and we have to have him. This is why repentance is so critical to salvation. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? This is a very key verse, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I used to read this verse, and I used to think to myself, man, I'm just not worth it. I just, I just constantly fall short. But I want you to read that verse again. What does it say? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's Jesus, what's, what's Paul's point that he's making? You, this is who you once were. 
But now, through the heart of repentance, the kindness of the Lord, Romans 2 says it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And so through that place of the kindness of the Lord, the fact that we only love because he first loved us, and we have this flowing in and through us, then we say, oh, we fell short. But you know what? We fell short. But because of Jesus, we can come before him and we can say, Jesus, I need a savior. I need a savior. The cry of a repentant heart is, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. I've tried on my own. I can't do it. I've tried. I've, I've done these things. I've, I've, I've run the hamster wheel. I've been in circles. I've tried to figure things out on my own. And I've fallen short. But oh, Jesus, you make everything different. You sinned and you fell short, but God sent Jesus to the earth. Romans 5, listen, Romans 5 says, because of his great love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were over here, Jesus says, I want you to come over here. And I died for you so that you could live right there not that you could live over here and then over here and then over here and then over here but that you could actually live here for your whole life that you wouldn't have to keep going back and going back and going back but that you could live from the reality of what Jesus paid for you can live in that reality we don't have to pretend to try to figure it out that's why we point to Jesus Repentance isn't focused on where you came from, but on where he wants to take you, which is deeper into him. You can turn away from something, and then if you don't repent into Jesus, you can turn to something else. And you can even turn to something else that's good, and it's not Jesus. You can turn to something that's works, and it's not Jesus. You can turn to something that's gifting or anointing and not actually focus directly on Jesus. Because it's not about what you turn from, it's about what you turn to. You can't just repent from something, but you repent into someone that is Jesus. If you repent from something, but you don't fill that place with Jesus, then you end up filling it with something else. It's like the door analogy. If I confess and I open that door and I say, okay, this is, this is what I've done. If I leave that door open and I'm trying to do things on my own, something else is going to walk through that door. But if I say, this is what I've done, I need healing. Now I repent to Jesus, knowing that I fell short, but Jesus, you call me higher, and you are the one in which can save me. You are the one in which can heal this void. Then what Jesus does is he walks through that door, and he shuts it, and he says, now it's done. Oh, and guess what? Don't go back and try to look at it again. It's done. 
That's true repentance. It's not we have to keep looking back and trying to say, okay, I repent, I repent. No, no, no. I repent into you, Jesus, and now you say it's done. The fruit of, of repentance is a changed life and a renewed perspective. The fruit of true repentance is changed behavior, but that changed behavior is not something you can do on your own. It's Jesus. Mm, and I feel him in the room. I love what Pastor Russell Johnson says. He says, revival isn't for the perfect, but for the honest, the humble, the broken and contrite, and for those who refuse to live without it. What if we as a house, as a family, what if when we come together, our declaration is that we refuse to live without revival? What if I walk in this morning and I was like, I refuse to not worship Jesus to the extent that he blasts revival through the city. There is no perfect church because Jesus, until Jesus returns, we're people that are just, we're, we're, we're doing our best before him, but we're not all perfect. There's not a perfect pastor. I hate to say that. And sometimes church is messy. Sometimes it involves us figuring things out together in the context of community in our micro churches discipleship and we're trying to figure things out so church isn't always it's not sometimes it's messy and you know what it's beautiful because it's jesus's bride and i feel prophetically that one of the things that we have to be really mindful of too is don't speak bad about his bride there's a lot of people that are like, oh, the church is just this, and, and I see it all the time, specifically in like this new deconstructing movement. It's like, oh, the church is just so awful. And I'm like, hey, you know you're talking about you, right? <laughs> you know the church is not a place but a people. You know that he put his spirit inside of you. He said the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you. You are the church. And we come together and we gather even in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of mess, suffering, pain, trials. And we come, we encounter Jesus, we strap arms with those around us, and we say, I need you to get me through this next season too. Community, equipping, discipleship. This is why we gather. This is why it's important to be here. Something happens when you're here. And you know what? We miss it. I feel it when you're not. Because you play a role that's necessary to where the Lord's taking us. That was a rabbit trail. We do love rabbits. That's right. Through my turning to Jesus through repentance, then I can also repent and ask forgiveness from others. I can remember so many times that I've confessed mistakes but not actually repented, even to others. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of the times that I've sat down and I've confessed, hey, Emily, I, 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 I did this. And I haven't actually repented to her, I've just confessed to her. And the Lord convict, the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and he says, listen, Andrew, it's not just about confession because confession doesn't actually bring the full change. It's about repenting to her. 
repenting to Jesus and then repenting to someone that maybe you need to repent to. Jesus stated that the greatest commandment was what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As you turn towards Jesus and as you turn away from anything that would so easily entangle you, then you step into a place to actually love your spouse more. You step into a place to love the friend next to you well better. You, lo- you step into that place. And so as you repent to Jesus and you love the Lord your God, and the only way I love is because he first loved me, so I don't even have the capacity to fully know what that looks like, but in Jesus, I can love him rightly. And so I, I, I step into the love of the Lord, and then he empowers me with the love to be able to love others rightly. I also believe that this is true for cities and nations. You know, we have that verse that we quote all the time. We could quote it in our, in our sleep, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will humble, crouch down and pray. And then what? Sometimes we stop there and pray. That's great. Yay. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will hear their land. Prayer, crouching, repentance, turning. Not just turning away. Not just turning away from wicked things. Not just turning away from wicked things. Turning to Jesus. So it's about a city and a nation, not just saying, okay, we've done a lot of bad stuff. No, no, no. Jesus is the answer. That's our heart's cry. Look, repentance is important because repentance turns the tide. Repentance turns the tide. It takes all this stuff that was happening and it marks it. No, it's gone. And now it turns the tide and it says, this is a nation after Jesus. This is a city after Jesus. This is a church after Jesus. These are individuals after Jesus. I believe this is the cry for our nation and for us as the people of God. We pray and repent and we say, as a nation, we're not just going to say, this isn't the right way. We're going to say, Jesus is the way. So we're not just going to say, oh, that thing that you're doing, that's not the right way. We're going to say, hey, have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? Do you know the one in whom can wipe all of that away? His name is Jesus. Do you know the one in whom it says he loves you so much that actually in the midst of your sin, he died for you and nailed all of that to the cross in order that you could be free? Have you met him? His name's Jesus. And we get into this mind and we we call for repentance, but it's not like this, oh, repent and just stop doing all the bad stuff. It's repent. Here's Jesus. Repentance is something I believe, obviously it's, it's something that's central to salvation. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we repent and we turn and we turn to him. That is a huge crucial mark of salvation is you turn to him. You don't just turn away. And so, but it's not just salvation. We need to get good at repentance. 
hey, by the way, I don't have it all together. I love what Seth, Seth was talking during worship. He was preaching part of my message. He was talking about when Peter denied Jesus three times. And I love that portion of scripture because Peter goes through this thing. He denies Jesus, the rooster crows. And then in John 21, Jesus asks Peter three times. Catch that. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus comes back to Peter and asks him three times. What does he say? He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? What's Jesus doing? He's saying, Peter, you denied me. You messed up. You messed up. But you know what? I don't care. Do you love me? You see, God doesn't exalt mistakes. He desires to refocus you on him. God isn't trying to make your mistakes huge so that you're glaring at the mistake. He desires to take that and say, no, repentance means looking at me. So he refocuses Peter's attention on him instead of saying, oh, Peter, come on now. You know better than to deny me three times. Come on, Andrew, you know better than to do that. Shame and condemnation is never from Jesus. It's always from the enemy. Always, always. Always, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is from him. And so Jesus could have easily said, oh, come on, Peter, man, you just totally disqualified yourself. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, forget that. Here I am. Andrew, forget that. Here I am. People of God, nations, the United States, Fort Worth, forget that. Here I am. We don't repent lightly. We repent to turn. But listen, we, we make mistakes. It's part of what I was talking about, about a church body. Like we're not all, some, sometimes we make mistakes. We're sanctified in the sense that God calls us holy. We are holy. I can't try to become more holy than I am. Because he's the one who does the holy process. I can't do that. But we sanctify daily our our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions. And sometimes that involves repentance. Being quick to repent and turn to him. The beautiful thing about this is it doesn't matter what mistakes you have made. He wants you. It doesn't matter what your life has looked like. He wants you. It doesn't matter what the past looks like. He says, today's a new day. I want you. Doesn't mean there's not accountability and consequences for actions. What it means is that he cares about your heart more than anything you have done. All right, I'm going to attempt to land the plane. So if if I could get some keys, that would be great. What Jesus cares about is repentance that brings refocusing. So if we could stand, and I want to ask, I want to pose a question to us this morning. And the question is this. Is there an area of your life this morning that needs to be refocused on Jesus? Jesus.
Repentance is shifting your perspective. It's changing your mind. But you can't change your mind on your own. Only Jesus can actually shut that door. And I feel like there's a call in the room this morning to just step down. I feel like some of you, you may need to come to the front and just get on your knees and just say, Jesus, I refocus on you. I refocus on you. There's that crouching down, a broken and contrite heart. So Lord, where is it? Where do we need to crouch down and say, oh, Jesus, that I would turn to you. And for some in the room this morning, Jesus is saying, don't think about what you've done. Don't worry about all this stuff. Focus on me. Give that thing to me. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn to me. Turn to me. He desires your heart. If you're in this room and you've been, you feel like it's time to turn your heart to Jesus, I want you to come to the front. You say, Jesus, I'm turning my heart to you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that true repentance is where there's change. And so this morning, Lord, we humble ourselves and we just say, we turn to you, Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus, I don't desire to look to other things. I don't desire to look to other things. I focus my attention on you because you're the only one that satisfies. And Jesus, even as a church body, Lord, we stand in the gap for our city and our nation and we just say, turn to Jesus. Oh, Lord, would you make us a people that would be quick to turn to you when things happen? Lord, that there would be a place, a people that would say what we value is true repentance. What we value is turning. Lord, we're going to be quick not to focus on things that have happened. We're going to be quick to turn and say, Jesus, shut that door. I look at you. I look at you. Jesus. Just take a moment. If there's an area of your life that you feel like the Lord is calling you, he's asking you this morning, will you give that to me? Will you allow me to shut that door? Not anything else, not anything else. Will you allow me to close the door? Will you allow me to walk through the door and to in my kindness that leads you to repentance, give you a hug and say, I love you, son, and I love you, daughter. I love you, son, and I love you, daughter. My plans for you are to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And now is the time. Don't look back. Close that door and say, Jesus, I'm turning to you. Here I am. Jesus. 
There's some in the room, when you leave this room today, you, you need to call someone up on the phone and just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Will you forgive me? I repent. And I turn to Jesus and I turn. Jesus, this is what we're after. We're after repenting because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not the kingdom of heaven might come. It's not the kingdom of heaven was yesterday. It's not the kingdom of heaven is in the future. It's the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I don't want to miss a single opportunity. I don't want to miss a single moment to walk in my identity and who I am as a son or daughter of the king. I don't want to miss that through the enemy trying to take things, trying to say, hey, you've done all these things, you're disqualified. No, no, you're qualified because Jesus qualifies you. Jesus nailed all that to the cross and he said, you're not that. So Lord, this morning, we also break agreement with the enemy. Areas of our mind, areas of our will, of our emotions, Lord, where we have, we have actually agreed with the enemy. We say no to that any longer. And instead, we step into agreement with who you say that we are, Jesus. We step into agreement with who you are, Jesus. And through repentance, we say, I will not walk that way any longer. I will not agree with the enemy in that area any longer. I'm turning away from that, and I'm turning into Jesus. can invite our ministry teams up to the front. If you're on staff also, you can come up to the front, micro church leaders. We just want to be able to pray for people. If you want prayer this morning, just come to the front. We're going to end here, but I just want you to come up. If you want prayer, don't hesitate. Come up. The Holy Spirit's moving. Yeah, I just really feel strongly. There's some people in here this morning that when he said, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you, there's something you need to repent for, you need to turn, that when he made that invitation, when Andrew made that invitation to come up meant you were dirty and broken and, and you hesitated and you stood back. But I just want to bring that invitation again. Um, I feel like there's some of us who need to just come up and just lay some things down on the altar. So if that's you, I just declare courage over you. Just step forward this morning. Yes. There's no shame in this house. There's no shame in this house.
yeah, you're free to go if you want, but I also feel like there's some in the room that part of the changing your perspective really hits home to you. Like there's mind things. The Lord's been, like the enemy's been bringing a lot of thoughts and a lot of mind things. And today the Lord says it's time to change your perspective. There's a changing of the perspective. There's a changing of those thoughts. There's a renewing of the mind that's happening. So Jesus, we ask you that you'd renew minds. If you're watching on the live stream and that's you, we just thank you, Lord, that you're renewing minds, that you're shifting perspective. Ways that we saw things, ways that we were operating out of this stuff. And instead, Jesus says, it's time to change your perspective. And in the perspective shift, there's breakthrough. There's mind shifts. There's a renewing of the mind. So Jesus, we thank you for that, Lord, that you would renew our minds, Lord. Shift our perspective. Shift our perspective. Jesus. Yeah, we're just going to hang out here for a little while. If you want prayer, come up. Thank you so much for joining us online, for joining us here. We're so glad you're here. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit, would you mark us? Jesus, would you keep our hearts tender? Would you make a declaration over us that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise? Jesus, that we wouldn't harden our hearts, but that through repentance that there's a tender place to come and to say we might be, we might, we might make messes, we might make mistakes, but you will not despise a heart that says I'm just gonna turn to Jesus again. I'm going to turn to him again. Jesus. Jesus. This is the cry of our hearts. don't look to the right or to the left, but we look to you. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. 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 Feel free to linger just a little longer. Um, Carol Martinez, do you mind just praying? Would you just pray and release something? I just feel like the Lord says you have something this morning. So I just want you to release something. And again, you're free to go, but we're just, we're just going to linger with the Holy Spirit for a little bit. Lord, we do repent for those times that we've just let 
other things get between Jesus. us and you. Lord, forgive us because so often we're focused on good things, but those good things aren't you. Jesus. Lord, bring us, God. Bring us, Father, that there would be no separation, no separation between our affections and you. Lord, give us even the thrust of faith and the belief and the energy, God, to believe that you are sufficient, that you are our portion, that you are our completion, that you are our everything. Lord, I just break off all fear, the fear of letting go, as if the fear that if we let go something that we're clinging to, that we're, that we're risking loss. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you. All morning, every single thing that's been done today has been preaching to me. And even what Jason said during the offering just really, really blessed me when he said, I've got you. And I had to repent there because I realized sometimes I don't totally fully believe that financially. And so I just say once again, if anybody even needs to go into that, into the God's got us. Yes. And because Papa's got us, we can let go. Father, help us to let go and cling to you, to come into the shadow of your wings. Oh, Lord, let us come into the shadow of your wings the shadow of your wings, resting like the Apostle John, resting our head on his shoulder and saying, I trust you. I repent of that thing that I have not been able to let go. And I hand it to your feet, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you because you're everything. Thank you because I can trust. I can trust you with everything, 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 everything. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. We trust you, Jesus. I trust you. We trust your leadership. I trust you. We trust your Lordship. I trust you. We trust you, Jesus. I trust you. We trust in you, not in our own understanding. We trust you. You are everything. Take your place in our life. You are everything. You. You, Lord. You, Lord. You, Lord. Jesus, we repent of doing things our own way. Lord, we repent of that, Lord. Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Lord, we're not after our own way. We're after your way. So we do, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and we lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. Lord, would you make us experts at trust? Would you make us experts at just trusting your leadership and your lordship in our life in the everyday things? I feel like there's some in the room, just as Carol said, there's a trust with your finances, and even with jobs. I felt specifically there's a trust with jobs and with finances. 
So this morning, Lord, we just say that we trust you with our finances and we trust you with our jobs. And we trust your lordship, that you're going to lead and guide us, Lord. That you're opening up doors. And it's not just about us opening doors, because when he opens a door, he opens a door that no man can shut. Come on. So Lord, this morning, we just declare open doors. Open doors. There's open doors that no man can shut because your favor, your blessing, you are opening the door. Jesus. Wow. the more. Would you release the new more? Release the new more. Release the new thing. Release it, Lord. Release it through an act of repentance, through humility, Lord. Release the new thing. We say we will crouch down in order that you would exalt us. We will crouch down in order that you will pick us up and that you will show us the new thing, that you will show us great and mighty things. But we, as a people, as a church, we just humble ourselves and we say, Lord, we, we will humble ourselves in order that you will exalt us. Holy Spirit's moving, so you can feel free to stay in this place. Just pray, hang out. The Lord is doing a new thing. He's doing something new. So Lord, we thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing. We say we're in for it, Lord. We're in for it.